Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I am Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. And the reason why we do this show is because there are so many nonprofit resources in our community that people aren't even aware of. And we just want to make sure people get exposed to the various ways that they can either draw upon these resources or share their gifts and passion with these nonprofits to make a difference in some way. I actually had an opportunity last fall to take advantage of some resources that I didn't know existed as the result of an experience uh, I really wish I didn't have to go through. Uh, do you ever have something happen that you just wish you could go back to sleep and wake up and find out that it was just all a bad dream? Well, what happened a few months ago wasn't a dream, unfortunately. It's a day that I play over and over in my mind and wish I could redo so that it would have a different outcome. But in my state of hurt and confusion, really, I, I met someone who was able to help me and steer me in the direction of resources that, again, I had no idea existed, but ones that have been a real help. So in the interest of time, I'll just give you some quick details so we can get to what I've invited my guests here today to share. It was last October 31st, uh, October 31st last year, my husband and I were taking our two dogs for a nature walk at a park about 15 minutes from our home. Um, we usually visit it a few times a year. We have two dogs, a Springer named Livy and a Maltese named Sam. Livy is always dragging her leash. Uh, we let it drag so that she can have a little freedom to run and snoop around. She's always close to us. She stays close. Livy's 14 years old, and she's hard of hearing with cataracts starting to form in her eyes, but you never know that she's 14. She, she just doesn't look it. Uh, she has pins and plates in her hind legs, so she isn't the fastest, but she can get around just fine. Because of her age, she sometimes gets disoriented and wanders a little bit, but I just go get her, bring her back to me, no problem. Sammy and Livy are always together. So we were walking up a path uh, with the dogs behind us, and within less than a minute, literally, I think it was like 45 seconds, we turned around and Livy was gone. Uh, my husband is is very calm guy, and so we said, Jill, just you know, settle down, let's just back backtrack, retrace our steps, but... I went into panic mode. Um, my husband started backtracking. I went up a path that led to a parking lot, and we searched for her everywhere for hours and hours, and she was nowhere to be found. Um, when we couldn't see anymore because it was getting dark, my husband said, someone's got to have her. You know, We should go home and see if someone left a message. So we drove home, and there were no messages. Um, I was beside myself. I couldn't sleep that night, and was back out at the park at the crack of dawn, searching. Later that morning, a woman saw me walking around distraught and crying, and she asked me what was wrong. And when I told her, being a dog lover herself and having lost her dog uh, pr years prior, she could really relate to what I was feeling. And she really just went into action. You know, she helped me to look for Livy all day, and the next day, and the next day after that. And for those of you who have lost a pet before, you know how... You know how you're in a state of panic and confusion and pain kind of all wrapped up in one? Yeah, I just couldn't think straight. Uh, not only did she physically help me every day for weeks on end, searching, uh, printing and distributing flyers, talking to the people in the area, she also helped me figure out who to talk to to put my plan in place. So this wonderful woman is here with me today. Her name is Amy Pentkowski. Thanks so much for being here today with, with me, my friend. Thank you, Jill, for having me. Uh, as always, I'm so glad you're here to, to provide support. 
Amy found an organization called Lost Dogs of Wisconsin, and she told me, get a flyer on there right away, get it up on their website, and talk with someone. So she helped me put the flyer together because I'm a bit technologically challenged, and uh, she, she actually made the call for me. She connected me to a caseworker. Uh, my caseworker is Kathy Pablaski, who is joining us today as well. So thank you for being here as well today, Kathy. Thank you, Jill. So now we're all very well aware of Lost Dogs of Wisconsin. Um, I'm on the website nearly every day. Amy is as well. So Kathy, share with us how this nonprofit got started and why you wanted to be a part of it. We started in March 2010. I was volunteering at, uh, at Elmbrook Humane Society, one of the local shelters in the area, and um, I was volunteering at the front desk a couple of days a week, um, and I was sort of seeing a new side to the lost pet problem that I had never really seen before. So I was helping people when they came in, they'd lost their pet, or perhaps they phoned, and they were trying to report a lost pet, and, and they were checking to see if perhaps their dog or cat had been brought into the shelter. Um, and then on the other end of it, we I was seeing the animals being brought in, perhaps by the public or an animal control officer, um, that were uh, somebody's, obviously somebody's lost pet. And it, it it's, to me, it seemed like there was a there was a better way to do it. It's very emotional. The people um, are very distraught when their pet is missing, and they don't always have the uh, right tools to help them, um, you know, figure out where their pet is. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was there, w there was no technology behind it. We were actually keeping lost and found pet reports in a three-ring binder in the front desk and literally handwritten little notes and bits of paper and that would fall out on the floor. Nothing was ever updated. Um, and I just thought there has to be a better way to do this. And that was when Facebook was first actually being used um, in, a, in a way to not only just connect with your friends, but to connect with the community and uh, support, you know, resources in the community that were available. So, And I'm sure you have plenty of stories, too, mm -hmm. to... Uh, to add to why you why you do what you do, yes, right? Yes, lots of stories over the years. Yes, yeah. and yeah. Uh, didn't weren't you telling me about a little Chihuahua that came into the system? And yes, yes, and she's actually our our little dog now. But that was one of the sad cases where she had come in um, the back door. Somebody had, uh, or you know, we say call that the back door, but somebody had brought her in. Um, had picked her up, and she did the seven-day stray hold, which was the law at the time. Um, and at the end of those seven days, nobody had reclaimed her. And she was very, very fearful and was at risk of being euthanized in the shelter because she was a fear biter. And um, I had taken her home for the weekend uh, just to see if you know, she was possibly, uh, could be a foster to adopt sort of a situation. Um, and I started looking for her owner in old... Uh, online posts and at, at that time there was only a few there was craigslist and there was uh you know a, a few other places that you could list lost pets and i found the owners and i phoned them and she had been missing um, for seven months and they had looked seriously for her for four months um unfortunately they had little children and they had um told their children that she had probably uh, died and that she was and they had gone and gotten an, another puppy and they really didn't have room in their home for two dogs and plus by that time again like I said she was she had been living on the streets for so long that she was fear aggressive and they felt that she was not going to be a good fit in their family anymore um, so I adopted her and she has taught me a ton about lost dog behavior over mm. over the years um, happy happy ending to that story. yeah and you were saying too that she was out during the coldest winter oh, oh, Absolutely. At that absolutely. time. Absolutely, yes. Know, I mean, I think yes. this year we've had the coldest. 
this yeah. picture actually. We, but we've had several uh, cases of small dogs. I mean, she's about 14 pounds. We have a, had a case of a eight pound Chihuahua here in Pewaukee that um, uh, was out for four months during a really horrible winter um, that was wow. successfully recovered. Yeah, so they do survive. Yeah, um, good, good, happy endings. Yeah. Amy, you, again, uh, helped me in, in when I couldn't think straight and didn't know where to go and who to turn to, and thank God that uh, you were there. How did you find Lost Dogs Wisconsin? How did you come across them? So I had a friend down in southern Wisconsin who called me uh, frantic and in a panic that he had lost his dog that he had taken to the park, and I immediately got online and started looking up resources and came across Lost Dogs of Wisconsin. And in my my trip down to help him look for Gracie, um, I had called uh, Lost Dogs thinking I was just going to get a recording. And um, lo and behold, Kathy picked up the phone and she spent a good half hour on the phone with us, um, calming both of us down, mm -hmm. um, letting us know uh, the resources available, what we needed to do step by step. And, and I think the biggest thing that was so helpful is um, reassuring us that the outcomes most of the time are good. And, That's um, so important. And it was a happy ending to the story. Gracie ended up at a shelter in Racine, about 45 minutes from where my friend lived. Um, we got her back. He had already given up hope, but like I said, Kathy had reassured us to, you know, never give up, keep looking. And and it was, you know, we we had gotten her back, like, I think it was two or three days later. Mm. And so thank goodness that you had... <clears throat> You had that experience, and now exactly. you're using that experience to help me, and I'm I'm so thankful because unfortunately we this is happening too often. In fact, I read a statistic from the American Humane Association that said about one million dogs and cats are lost or stolen every year. One million, and that one in three pets will become lost at some point during their lives. That just that just breaks your heart, doesn't it? That's yes. terrible. But there are a number of organizations that can help, and that's that's the important piece. So stay tuned to hear how and what Lost Dogs of Wisconsin can do to help. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I am talking with Kathy Poblaski from Lost Dogs of Wisconsin and my dear friend Amy Pentkowski, fellow dog lover. So, Kathy, we talked about one million dogs and cats missing every year. Sad statistic, but... What does Lost Dogs of Wisconsin actually do to help? We we try to, as quickly as we can, provide uh, free resources and services to the owner to help them, to help steer them in the correct direction when their dog goes missing. So we can look back at what we have done over the last um, uh, several years and we, we don't like to say predict what happened to their dog, but at least help the owner think logically and not emotionally mm -hmm. about what probably happened instead of what possibly happened. Because you, as you know, when you're distraught, your mind can play tricks on you and you can only, you may only think of all the worst case scenarios. And mm -hmm. in our experience, those worst case scenarios um, generally are not what happens. That it's, it's, we can logically look at what we've seen happen in the past and we can steer owners towards using their time and energy towards those possibilities which are really the probabilities. And that's important to know because, you know, you guys have a history. I mean, you've been doing this for 
t- uh, you know. t- nine years. Yeah, nine and years. so yeah. you guys have um, research, mm-hmm. you know, that you can look back on, and and so that that's important to know. You know, there are other resources available too that people may not be aware of, and. Amy, what did you find when you were helping me find ways to get the word out? Well, Jill, I found that there were a whole lot of resources available, ones that I probably still don't even know about. But I think the most important thing is uh, social media, getting the word out, um, getting flyers, talking to people in person. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Craigslist, I think, is important for those people that aren't on social media. Um, the, uh, the ancient newspaper, if your community (laughs) still, still has one, um, again, some people, um, you know, aren't on Craigslist. They are not on the internet at all. So reaching as many people as possible. The other thing I found really helpful was pet finder. It's a nationwide website that, um, that you can go and look in case your pet may have ended up in a shelter. Um, Great Lakes Drone Company is is a, a company that I had contacted originally when you had lost Livy and, um, Unfortunately, he said that wasn't. If it's within six hours, they have a hundred percent success rate. But since it had been days later, yeah. um, he thought that that the uh, the chances of finding her with a drone weren't as good. But as far, as far as he said, the sooner the better to contact you know a drone company. Um, the Pet Amber Alert. Uh, it's petamberalert.com. They will send poster alerts with your a picture of your pet as well as details to neighbors, veterinarians. Animal shelters, um, pet stores, and rescue volunteers within a 10 to 100-mile radius of where the pet was lost. And they have different packages. So that was one thing that I found um, to be helpful to do a lot of the legwork. And, of course, all the others, you know, the veterinarians in the area, groomers, um, Nextdoor app is a great resource. Um, yeah, you. when I was out getting gas not far from, from the park where Livy went missing, I was talking with a gentleman asking him if I could put... Uh, Livy's flyer on his window and so he looked at the picture and he said oh is is that Livy you know he was familiar with who Livy was because of the next door app and so I loaded it on my phone and uh, you know increased the awareness uh, that way and I think what you said Amy is so important about talking with people actually being the boots on the ground and you and I spent hours days going and talking to people Mm -hmm. talking to farmers because you talked about how Mm -hmm dogs tend to gravitate towards farmers because there's always food there you know Mm -hmm. so restaurants yeah yeah we talked to so many people and i have to say thank you to the neighbors and the and the people that frequent that park because it was a richfield historical park um in richfield um so many people were willing to help i had a a woman who had a horse uh dr julie hireman who she actually trailered her horse out to the park and, you know, went in places that, that I couldn't easily get to. And, um, you know, that, that was awesome. Uh, and there was a gentleman from Brown Deer that called me and just uh, felt bad, understood how I was feeling. And he said, I, I'm a, I'll come out and help. And so his name was Kurt, and he brought out his, his, his dog Milo. And Amy and I met him out there, and, and um, he's, he's been out there a couple days as well. And just people in the neighboring, um, uh, the neighborhoods and people that just go to the park. We had flyers all over. We we just really. Lots of support. Yeah, it really was. There were a few people that um, that uh, did not want us around. But for other than that, everybody else, we went and asked if we could search their, their property. And they were so willing to help. They said they were out looking, and we were there you know, many, many times, you know, all, all day into the evening hours and people would see us and ask, you know, any luck on Livy. And so really, I think it's important to make sure that you are out there 
and and talking to people because as Amy said not everybody's on social uh, media believe it or not but I know Kathy you kept telling me to read some of the articles that you have on your website because some of the things that you were telling me were were actually counter to what I thought to be true yes. like you told me not to chase or call Livy if I saw her yes. and I was like to myself no 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 she would come to yes. me I'm her mom I'm her mama she would come to me but what would you say has been one of the hardest things to convince an owner of when their pet goes missing that that's absolutely it the hardest thing for us to do uh, is convince an owner that their own dog may not come to them when they finally find their dog or see their dog um, and that 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 first sighting or uh, lead that you get is may only be the first part of the process of actually capturing your dog. It's not like you're going to go out to that first sighting and you're going to see your dog and the dog's going to come running to you. You may then have to implement a plan to successfully capture the dog, which may still take um, days or weeks or even months. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's a very hard thing for people to grasp. Uh, that their own dog is not going to come to them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, you, you think, no, my dog's different. You know, they see me, they're going to run into my arms and right. uh, have a happy ending. But it's obviously uh, more to it than that. They go into like a survival mode. That's exactly about. right. So they become more like a fox or a coyote. So they won't, uh, they will, uh, they will, flee from people as opposed to, you know, what you would think of as your dog's behavior, which would be to come to you. Um, and they will be rarely seen. They, you may uh, not get any sightings at all because they're traveling at, uh, at nighttime. Um, and they just try to avoid people. Yeah. And you oh. talked about putting, making sure to have like a can of tuna or mm-hmm. sp- some kind of smelling food in your car and a leash and a blanket. and. Yes. Um, you know, there's so many things, you know, again, I would say, you know, go to check out the Lost Dogs of Wisconsin website because there's so many articles on there, helpful information. We're actually going to do a resource sheet um, where we put together all of our resources and people can phone in and ask for that to be emailed to them. So there's just so many things to do. Um, Sometimes people tell you things that you don't really want to hear. They think that they're helping you, but in actuality, they're just repeating what they what they've heard many times before. So many times with no regard to facts. Many people told me, oh, Jill Livy just went off to find her final resting place. And I actually thought that's what happened until you told me that there's no research that supports that. I think you told me that what, about 10% of lost dogs are found deceased, which was, was good for me to hear, obviously. No. What, are, what are some of the other statistics around dogs that are lost? So, so yes, yeah, so the less, in our experience, less than 10% of dogs are actually deceased that go missing. Um, of those, the vast majority of those have been hit by a car, and often that's because somebody was trying to catch them and they chased them into traffic, oh. um, and they've, they've been killed by a car. Uh, drowning and hit by a train are our next two common causes of death, and again, still a very, very small percentage, if you think of it's that that's of the, uh, in the 10% of dogs that are deceased, um, vast majority hit by a car. Um, some of those dogs drown, unfortunately. They fall through thin ice, often because they've been chased, um, or they're hit by a train. And for we, we found that a lot of lost dogs, while they're trying to avoid people, um, will use a train track to get between their food source and their hiding places and because it's it's a fairly easy path for them to travel. Uh, they don't have to travel on the roads and then they're less likely to be seen. But unfortunately, they do not seem to move off the train track fast enough when a train mm-hmm. is coming and they get hit by a train. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you I have been told by more than one uh, person that, uh, you know, oh, the coyotes. You know, you had mentioned before coyotes. 
talk to that. Talk about that because I think that's important for people to know. Everybody seems to think that the coyotes are going after the animals, the right. dogs. And so what we find is that with dogs that are truly lost, um, that that very very seldom happens. Uh, very seldom. I mean, it is such a small percentage. Dogs, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to say that dogs and coyotes do not get into altercations. Um, because they do, and those are the reports that you will often see on the news, where the dog is actually in their yard, and there's a territorial dispute between the coyote and the dog. Um, and that is, again, it's not very common, but because you see it on the news when it happens, people, um, you know, s- sensationalize yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but lost dogs are not territorial. They will almost always defer to other animals. And so we will actually get uh, pictures on our trail cameras at where we've set up feeding stations where there will be a dog eating at the feeding station and a coyote or fox comes along to check it out and the dog will just defer and they're all coexisting um, all, also along with cats and raccoons and possums um, all coexisting at in an area so we just do not find it to be that common well, how many lost and found dogs were reunited with their owners in 2018? Do you have statistics? Yeah, on that? I do. So in in uh, 2018, we took in almost 3,900 reports, um, and of those, uh, 3,130 were what we call closed uh, cases that we closed. Um, of that, 2,990 of those dogs were found safely, um, and unfortunately, 140 were found deceased. But um, it's important to, ke- to, to focus ke- yes. on those other ones. I yes. mean, it's, that's, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful percentages. And, you know, you talk about your motto of never give up. You know, yeah. I, I cling to that because until my Livy is found, there are any number of possibilities. You just look online or you listen to the stories mm-hmm. on the news people who've been reunited with their fur babies after months and years even. It's it's yes. amazing. So yes. always have hope and never give up, right, Amy? Never yeah. give up. Um, so we, we know there are a ton of animal lovers out there listening. Um, what can we do to help? Well, we can always use more volunteers. So if you if anybody's interested uh, that's listening that is interested in volunteering with us, we uh, have an application on our website. Um, or if you um, simply just come to our Facebook page and share our posts and watch for missing dogs in your area, that's also really super helpful for us. Okay, and they can Google Lost Dogs of Wisconsin. Yep, you can find us. Take you to what you Mm -hmm. need to see. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you both for all the support you've given me through this uh, terrible process I'm going through. Um, I will hope to continue to uh, to. I will be hoping and praying that that we find Livy. And again, I appreciate uh, all your help, uh, both of you, and your support. One of the things we're told to do when we have lost our pet is to notify the Humane Society in our county. But what happens once you make that call? Stay tuned to find out what the Wisconsin Humane Society does when an animal comes in that has been found. We will be right back. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest is Angela Speed, VP of Communications at the Wisconsin Humane Society. Thank you for being here today, Angela. Thank you for having me. You're obviously an animal lover, and that's why you are with the Wisconsin Humane Society. But what does a VP of communications do? So my role really entails overseeing all of our internal and public communications. So 
um, our newsletter, our website, our social media pages, our TV appearances, and all of our marketing work. So really it's my job to connect our work with people in the community who care about animals. And ultimately I sort of think about my job as being a voice for the animals themselves. Every single animal comes to us with a story and it's my privilege and my joy to be able to tell their stories to the community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. I'm one of those that puts a voice to the to the animal, you know, maybe too many Disney movies or something, but it's <laughs> giving the animal a voice is, is great. I had mentioned that one of the things we, we should do when our pet is missing is to call the local humane society in our county where our pet went missing, but it's also important to notify beyond the county. So, for example, I notified the Washington County Humane Society because Livy went missing in the Richfield Historical Park in Richfield, which is in Washington County. But I live in Waukesha County, so I notified Hawes and Elmbrook. And notifications went out with the pet amber alerts to the vets, the groomers, and other places of business within 100 miles. So Mm -hmm. we understand the importance of getting the word out and mass exposure even outside of the local area. And I was familiar with the Wisconsin Humane Society as it's located in Milwaukee. Um, But you actually have other locations around the state, right? Yes. So the Wisconsin Humane Society has six locations. We have animal shelters in Racine, Milwaukee, Ozaki County, Door County, and in Green Bay. And we also have a public spay-neuter clinic in West Dallas. So among all of those shelters, we hold stray contracts in Racine, Ozaki, Brown, and Door counties. And so if you've lost an animal or you found an animal in those counties, you want to contact the Wisconsin Humane Society. Um, in Milwaukee, though, the stray contracts are held by MADAC. Um, and so if you've lost or found an animal, you need to connect with MADAC. Okay. And that's a, an acronym, right? Yes. That's it's it. um, Milwaukee Area Domestic Domestic Animal Control Commission, and they're located on Burnham, not too far from um, Miller Park. Okay. So if if you find yourself in a situation where you've lost your pet, you, talk, you reach out to the Humane Society, mm-hmm. but you also talk to Maddox. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, it's really important to recognize that dogs don't know where those county borders are. You know, they, <laughs> they wander across those lines all the time. And so it is very smart to not only notify the Humane Society in your county and look there for your animal, but also all of the surrounding counties and municipalities. Yeah. And so someone calls the Wisconsin Humane Society, says their pet is missing. Do you then share, you share with all the other Wisconsin Humane Society locations, right? Absolutely. So we file a lost report within our database, and that database is shared amongst all of our shelters. Okay. So I want to know what actually happens when an animal comes in to the Wisconsin Humane Society. What does your staff walk us through the steps? What do they do to try and find the owner? Sure. So when somebody walks in with a lost dog, first of all, we're doing an initial exam. We're looking for any sort of hallmarks of ownership, whether that's the collar, an ID tag, a rabies tag, and of course, the all-important microchip, because all of those would allow us to reconnect that animal with their owner really fast. Um, We also take a picture of that animal upon intake and post it as soon as we possibly can, typically within minutes or hours, to our website so that people can see all of the stray animals. Um, 
they're also vaccinated and given a brief physical exam. And those vaccinations are so important because as nice as our shelters are, disease transmission is a real thing because we have mm. so many animals coming from so many different situations. And we want to make sure to protect that animal upon intake because they might be exposed to an illness and we don't know their vaccination history. Um, we also post found animal flyers to our dedicated Facebook pages within 24 hours of arrival. Um, overall, I mean, getting animals back home is a huge priority for, for our team. We research all of the, our leads um, on social media, on Facebook pages. We comb social media sites, including, including Lost Dogs of Wisconsin and Craigslist. Um, and we make sure that photos are clear and available to the community. I think that's important for people to know because, again, when you're in this situation, you are in a state of confusion, a state of loss and pain, and you're not really sure what to do, and you can't do it all on your own. And so to have somebody there to support you, to know that they are out looking, because we can't be out looking 24-7 mm -hmm. um, physically or even you know online, so it's good to know that there are organizations out there that are helping us in that regard. And and you talked about the, the microchip. I know in the previous segment, talking to Lost Dogs of Wisconsin, they were talking about how important that chip is. And they had mentioned something that I never even thought to do, and that was to scan your pet when you take them into the vet because the, the chip may have moved. Um, you want to make sure that the, uh, the, the chip has the accurate information. And you're saying that you know, that's that's super important when that, that animal first comes through the doors. You know, you're hoping to be able to experience a reunion, you know, by just scanning and finding that chip. And so, you know, we understand how, how important that is. And so um, if you haven't yet, make sure that you go out and, and get your pet uh, scanned, uh, have their chip scanned, or get them a chip in the first place. So does the Wisconsin Humane Society help with that for those people that might not be able to afford a chip? Are you in a position to help them with that? So we have um, monthly vaccine clinics, sometimes several times a month. And among offering low-cost vaccines to the community, we do also offer microchips. Um, and if owners do come in to reclaim an animal who is unshipped, we can offer a microchip at that time of redemption as well. Okay. Um, I have to say, though, ID tags, too, are really critical. Uh, because the ID tag, we can see that. Um, your neighbor can see that without a scanner. And so we often see reunions happen even faster when somebody finds an animal because the, the phone number and the address are right on that tag and is visible, and that animal can go straight home and even bypass the whole shelter system. Yeah, so that saves on time and resources, mm -hmm. and that would be ideal, you know, or ideal yes. if we could have a GPS tracker on them, <laughs> right? You know, uh -huh. if they could somehow incorporate the GPS and the chip that's inside their bodies, but I understand that's not possible. So not quite yet. But again, they can slip their collars, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but that's that's just another level of protection is to have some kind of GPS on their on their collar in addition to their tags, and like you said, the vaccines to make sure that they're up to snuff on their on their vaccines, up to date on their vaccines, so that it it uh, they have the tags on them also, so that you guys know when it comes in that the animal is protected in that regard. Correct. So are there any other best ways to ensure a reunion if you lose your pet, or did we pretty much cover those? Yeah, it's really in the, the first 24 to 48 hours, um, networking, getting on social media. Social media is a wonderful resource to be able to um, help make those reunifications happen very fast. Okay. 
any stories that you uh, that tug at your heart that you can think of? Oh, you know, just recently we had a cat who came into our Door County shelter, um, just a found cat in somebody's yard, and we scanned that cat, and the cat did have a microchip. Thank uh, goodness. And amazingly, yeah. the microchip was registered to somebody in Illinois. And we made that call, and the person was just stunned on the phone to get this call because her cat had gone missing like six months previous wow. when she was on vacation in Door County mm. and was just floored at the news that they found their family cat. And she and her really adorable little daughter came the very next day, flew up to the shelter, and were just overcome with joy, as was the cat, oh, I can <laughs> to, imagine. Find, to find his family. And so those microchips are really amazing. Of, of the lost cats who are reunited, our research indicates that about 30 to 40% of reunifications happen because of the microchip oh. for cats. Oh, mm-hmm. for cats specifically. Yes. Okay, so chip, chip, chip. Yep. Make sure you do that. Well, I mentioned in a previous segment that about 1 million, 1 million dogs and cats are lost or stolen every year. What about in Wisconsin? And how many are actually reclaimed? We're going to talk about that in the next segment. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Angela Speed, who is the VP of Communications at the Wisconsin Humane Society. So, Angela, how many stray animals actually come into the Wisconsin Humane Society every year? So, first of all, big picture, the Wisconsin Humane Society cares for about 40,000 animals every single year. And that includes stray animals, surrendered animals, animals we serve at our clinics and our spay-neuter clinic. And of those 40,000, in 2018, we took in 4,751 stray animals. Wow. Yes. And wow. the majority of those were cats, about 30, about 3,250 of them were cats okay. and about 1,500 stray dogs. Wow. Now, we said there's a million in a year of dogs wow. and cats. That I mean, that's amazing. And you're saying 40,000 that you just took into your area alone. Is there any statistic or any any, um, facts that support or that talk about if our area in the Midwest is any more prone to lost and stray dogs? I mean, because I think, my goodness, of the 1 million and right Mm -hmm. here we're doing 40, you know, with just Wisconsin Humane Society, we're doing 40,000. Is there anything out there that says one area of the country has more strays than another or not necessarily? You know, that would be fascinating research to look at. What we do know is that shelter intake overall nationally is falling. And shelter oh, good, intake good. in the northern half of the U.S. has been falling faster than in the southern states. Oh. And so shelter intake is a lot higher in states like Tennessee and Texas, Florida. Um, and they don't have the harsh winters. So I guess yes. that's how you want to look at it. <laughs> and more, th- there does seem to be more stray animals, especially stray dogs, in the southern half of our country. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, how many are actually reclaimed? I think you were talking to me uh, when we when we had our initial uh, meet and greet that something like 78% of dogs. Yeah. So, so this is pretty fascinating. Um, at the Wisconsin Humane Society of the 1500 stray dogs who came to us, 
over a thousand of them were returned to their owners. And that's just about 70%. Mm. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. (laughs) Yes, that's the good news. At some of our shelters, like in Ozaki County, it's closer to 90%, which is amazing. And so those reunions are happening. Do they chip more in Ozaki County, maybe? That that, that percentage is is higher? That could be. For cats, it's not as great. It's only about 10% at the Wisconsin Humane Society for a reclaim rate, but that is better than the national average, which is about 3%. Okay. And and you talked before about how a lot of those are feral cats. And so it's kind of, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I th- surprising. We do believe that a lot of those cats who are coming to us really don't have owners looking okay. for them. They're stray cats, they're feral cats, they're young kittens who were born outside, um, okay. which can explain that that rate. Yeah. Well, so what's required then to reclaim your animal once once they've been found? So when people come in to claim a, a, a lost dog or cat, the first thing we ask for, of course, is proof of ownership. We need to know that this is indeed your animal. Most commonly, people bring in their vet records, but they might also bring in adoption paperwork, paperwork from a breeder, um, and of course, they always bring photos. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all have a ton on our phone or in our purse, or yeah, yes. exactly. So making sure that they have proper identification, because probably, un- unfortunately, that you know maybe there's people that are going to reclaim an animal that isn't theirs. It maybe. does happen. That yeah. does happen. Or people who really are so hopeful that that animal is theirs and. Um, and it's, it doesn't always happen. And so it is really important to have those records as well as your ID. Um, also the, a leash or a carrier, we do require that okay. all animals, especially if they ran loose at one oh, point, right, right. <laughs> they have to leave in either a cat carrier or on leash. Um, we do ask for a reclaim fee which helps to offset the costs of care while they were with us. But we do work with people every day to reduce those fees or even waive them because we never want uh, financial barriers to be an obstacle to getting an animal back to the home where they are loved. Um, Well, you're a nonprofit after all. Yes. (laughs) you You have to raise funds somehow, and we know that you're doing awesome work. And so, you know, again, that the, that's what's so great about you know, doing a show like this is that we can increase the awareness of what does the Wisconsin Humane Society actually do. And yeah, you do some awesome things and you can't put a price tag on a lot of the, you know, what you're doing. And so mm-hmm. um, you need to raise money somehow. And so, yeah, if you can help either uh, monetarily or maybe even with volunteering, uh, you know, how, how can we support you in that regard? Sure. Well, I would say our biggest need is, of course, always monetary donations. The Wisconsin Humane Society is an independent nonprofit. We don't receive any sort of government funding for our work, um, and we are not part of a national umbrella group. And so we truly rely on the support of individuals who love animals in our community to provide all of our programs and services for animals, but also for people too, and for the 8,000 kids through our programming every year. Mm. Um, So monetary donations go a long way to support that work. If people aren't in a position to make a donation, we're always looking for volunteers. We have over 2,500 volunteers working at our shelters in every single aspect of our work, from stuffing envelopes to helping with medical procedures. Mm. Um, And right now, our highest need is for foster volunteers. Last year, we had over 3,000 animals in foster homes, animals who were too sick to go into adoption, who were too young. Maybe they needed a little bit of extra socialization in a home before they were ready for adoption. But it's sort of like 
a whole other shelter. And it's a great network um, of foster parents. And they're really doing life-saving work. Whether you can foster an animal for a week or a month, it makes a huge impact on that animal's life and allows us space to bring in the next animal who needs help. Yeah, I, I think it's so important to to talk about the volunteers, you know, volunteers don't get paid, not because they're worthless, but because they're priceless, right? (laughs) Um, What, uh, what advice would you give to those of us who have lost a pet? Um, I think first of all, acknowledging that losing a pet is truly a traumatic event. Um, It's emotionally very difficult to get through. And a lot of people need support from their friends, from their family, that sense of loss and that panic can be so overwhelming. And I think people sometimes underestimate how it can impact their life, their work, um, their sleep and and their health. That's for sure. And that's real. That's real trauma that you're going through when you lose an animal and you're on that search and hunt for them. Um, And to, to first acknowledge that and seek out help if you need it. And secondly, forgive yourself. Great people lose animals every single day. Great animal owners. And you can torture yourself thinking about what you would have done differently. But it happens. It happens to great people. And you have to allow yourself forgiveness. Yeah. Um, I think that's a that's a big piece because, uh, again, going through it myself, I replay the, you know, how things went down. And I think, my goodness, if I would have done that, or if I wouldn't have done that, you know, how things may be different. And uh, we have to allow ourselves grace, right? And just understand that, that we're not perfect. Um, And, uh, you know, that I remember talking to Amy and and just saying sometimes how, you know, my gosh, is bawling and saying, I, you know, I didn't do this, or I should have done that, and should have held her leash tighter, should not have let her out of my sight. And she said, you know, you, you did what you do every time you take her for a walk. It was no different uh, in, in what you did. It was just um, an unfortunate thing. So I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I think people mm-hmm. really need to make sure about that. Um, contact information before we before we go. Sure. Um, you can find us at wihumane.org. And if people have lost an animal, every single one of the stray animals at all of our shelters are on that site at wihumane.org whether it's a lost dog in green bay or in racine it's all there in a central central resource you can always give us a call at 414 animals or follow us on facebook too okay awesome well thank you so much for what you do uh we are so happy that you were able to share with us today all the different wonderful ways that the wisconsin humane society helps those people in need so thank you for being here today angela Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my guests uh, in the first segments, my fellow dog lover and wonderful friend Amy Pentkowski and Kathy Pablaski, who is my caseworker from Lost Dogs of Wisconsin, and of course, again, Angela Speed from the Wisconsin Humane Society. Thank you all for helping uh, to provide help and support during what can be a very painful and uh, confusing time. Thank you for sharing the information that can help someone be reunited with their beloved furry family member. Um, We are going to be putting together a resource sheet that you can reach out to us uh, and and we can email to you. Uh, It'll have further information about the things discussed today as as well as numbers and uh, 
um, websites. So if you'd like further information, just uh, reach out to me. You can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or call our office at 262-691-3200. You can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to podcasts or tune into uh, iHeartRadio app or ask Alexa to pay, play WISN AM 1130. So join us next Sunday morning to learn more about some great people and great nonprofits who are doing wonderful things in our community. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.